Praise the Lord, everybody. Beautiful crowd of people here on a Monday night. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. I feel some deep things in my spirit. I don't know if anybody else feels the witness to that. Tonight's one of those nights I... Unless you've preached, you really just don't know what I mean when I say this, but you go in your office and you pray and try to find the will of God and there's nothing that you can find that just sets in your spirit quite right. But at the same time, you can feel the Lord talking to you. And then you go and try to make notes and what have you and that doesn't work out either but nevertheless the Lord keeps talking you can be seated and in those times you just have to trust him now as far as I know everybody here other than one man and his family that I spoke to last week I'll go to this church and so the things that I'm saying tonight as far as I know they're not to anybody in this room and if if they are as far as some of these things then the Lord may be talking to you and if you don't feel that way, then all right. I felt in my spirit that this church is entering into a season. And I'm trying to navigate it slowly on purpose so that I don't miss anything or say it wrong or word it wrong. If you hadn't already figured out, tonight's not a, a good message tonight. I just feel some things from the Lord to this church specifically and prophetically. I felt like in the spirit, I saw this church. It's like it was picked up and put on an intersection. Four-way stop, so to speak. And I realize we're not at a four-way stop at this location. I'm not saying that this church is going to move locations and go to a four-way stop. But in the spirit... This church is at an intersection, a crossing from different directions. I saw people coming from the west, people coming from the east, people coming from the north, coming from the south. It looked like the highway's getting burnt up. All four directions coming to this church. And it'll be said at some point by a group of people, why are you going down to Harrisonburg about four and a half or five miles from Jonesville, Louisiana? And what they'll say back is there's a church there. There's a church there. 
Not, there's a restaurant. Now, you never know. There may be a Dollar General at any moment. You might have one pop up in the church parking lot. You know, and to be honest, that probably won't happen. It looks just a little too clean out here for one of them to pop up. If y'all could plant some corn in the woods, they'd show up within a week. They're going to say, we're not going to Walmart, we're not going to a restaurant, we're going to church. And the question will be, well, why would you drive an hour or an hour and a half? And I'm just telling you, only the people in this room will understand why that there's people about to start coming to this church that are driving an hour. I see people coming even from up near the interstate where Delhi is and Tallulah. I'm telling you in the spirit what I see tonight. I see black people coming. I see white folks coming. I see Spanish people coming. Wouldn't it be something for the Lord to make this a multicultural church down in the middle of the woods? My Lord, we want it, Jesus. We want it, Lord. Somebody tell him how much you want it. Just telling you, Look, I, I preached in Houston, Texas, Beaumont, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. Those are places that are intersections in the spirit realm. There's a lot of spiritual warfare. We had a man just Wednesday night run up and try to disrupt the service, a homosexual man. And when he began to speak in tongues, it was not the Holy Ghost. He tried to disrupt the service, and the pastor said, no, you just sit down. You sit down, and when he gives altar call, if you want to pray, you can pray. But it's a place of intense warfare. In Atlanta, Georgia, I've seen so much demonic activity come in and out. People that I remember in the balcony, one service I told a man and a woman, I think another woman was with them, if you'll get up and come to this altar, the Lord will do a miracle for you tonight. Well, they got up. They just went to the back door and left. Well, when they got home, their cousin had overdosed, had died while they were at church. They'd all done drugs with one another. It's a place of warfare where things were happening. And I even feel that drug stuff just a little bit on me down in this region, methamphetamine. I don't need to start naming what I feel. But I wondered what would have happened had they just got up and come to the altar. I believe with all of my heart, Pastor Stevenson, that that miracle would have been that cousin's soul and their souls, that God would have stopped it and that while they were getting the Holy Ghost, they could have been interceding for their cousin and not even known it. You never really know what's going on when you come to church. There's people that are they're, they're being hung in the balance of your decisions. 
Will I go deeper into the things of God? Will I maintain or will I go backwards? Your family's waiting on you to make a decision. I'm going to go deeper. I'm not going to get to judgment and the Lord say, if you'd have prayed one more time, they'd have got saved. I don't want to live like that. Knowing that if I'd have fasted a little bit more, prayed a little bit more and been a little bit more faithful, I could have had a miracle. When I'm taken out of this world, I want to be able to look back and say, I gave everything I had. I did everything I could do. I got knocked down. Situations rose up. At times I felt like quitting. But in the midst of it all, I did everything I could do. I see in the spirit, Church of God churches, their doors are being closed. And there's people that I believe have gotten the Holy Ghost in those churches that are going to come to this church at some point in time and they're going to get a hold of the name. And they're going to get a hold of separation from the world. And God's going to bring them into this body. You, I want you to think about this tonight. Could it be that God could use certain denominations to soften people's hearts for Pentecost? That what the devil meant for evil, what the devil meant to hold their mind and keep them from moving toward God, God would use to soften their hearts and give them a love for the word and a love for coming to church. And that when they walk in this church, they say, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been waiting on. My wife... My wife's mother taught the man that used to lead the choir at my home church. She taught him how to lead choir decades ago. And a situation hit their church. Adultery hit their church. And terrible things happened. Let me just say it like this. The snake moved through the church. And they went from over 300 to 15 in one night. One night. The pastor left. He's now completely charismatic. You can accept the Lord as your personal Savior. He does baptisms over FaceTime. You just baptize yourself. I watched one of those. They baptized somebody in the bathtub, and that boy didn't even halfway go under the water. Oh, thank you, Jesus. One of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. You could take a shower and be more saved than that boy was. All of hell went through that place. And in the midst of that, my wife's mother backslid. And so my wife was just a child, 11 or 12 years old. She went with her mother. But she felt God in the charismatic church. And as they would sing and worship, she would weep and cry. She thought she was saved. And God started talking to her before she got in Pentecost. She heard the voice of God before she got in the church. Is there anybody in here that's not first generation? Raise your hand. 
If you're not first generation, all right? Now, if you are first generation, raise your hand. And you'll admit you had some experiences before you got here that led you here. Finally, she come in during a revival service and got the Holy Ghost. But God used those other things to get her ready. It kept her pure is what some of it did. It kept her from getting caught up with the wrong kinds of people and losing her purity and losing her mind and getting too far out into things. And eventually the Lord brought her over three hours from home into a revival service and she got the Holy Ghost standing to my left. And then come to find out she only lived 15 minutes from my house, which was about 35, 40 minutes from my church. And as I was evangelizing, I would send her money every week to pay for her gas to get back and forth to church because she was told I would rather pay for you to go to the ballroom and drink alcohol than give you money to go to that apostolic church. But there's hungry people in the world that they don't want the money to go to the ballroom. But if somebody will help them get to church... They're going to come on into this church. My Lord, I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost tonight. And what I see in the Spirit, it's like it's, it's, it's an odd thing, really, because this isn't an area that's crowded with people. This isn't Beaumont, Texas, and Houston, Texas, and Memphis, Tennessee, and Atlanta. But the Lord has marked this place as a place of spiritual warfare. And things don't look in the spirit realm exactly how they do in the physical every time. And in spite of this place not being eaten up with people everywhere, it is eaten up with spiritual warfare. And what is going on in this church is the decisions that you're making and we're making together. It's not just me, but you're making decisions that are going to lose people that are in other regions. And I'm telling this church prophetically in the Holy Ghost that there are people that they don't live in this parish. They don't even live within 15 minutes of this parish. That somehow in the spirit, things are happening and they're going to be loosed and they're feeling the call to drive an hour or an hour and a half. Eventually, they'll move into this area. Hey, if the Lord can let Israel build a Jerusalem, he can let Wallace Ridge build a city in the middle of this parish. Hundreds and hundreds of Holy Ghost-filled Jesus-name apostolics that came to a four-way stop and said, I'm going to go on to church. I'm not worried about how much it costs me in gas to get here. God will provide the means. I'm not worried about how many miles it'll put on my car. God will provide the means. My children have got to get up and go to school, but they'll rest better at a good church. I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling somebody, a specific individual, I don't want you to feel like I'm shooting at you tonight because I had a conversation with you a couple days ago. I'm not... I'm talking to the 
the broad scope of things. Individuals have to make their own decisions. I didn't come here tonight to shoot at somebody and to try to make somebody do a certain thing. But there's a broad scope of vision that's getting ready to set down on this building. What would it be like not just to go into Harrisonburg and invite somebody to the church, but you stop by in Tallulah or you go through Alexandria and you feel a witness that God wants to reach them. Let me tell you, when you really believe in your church, you don't think, well, that's a little too far for them to drive. When you really believe in your church, three hours isn't too far. I know of in revival a man driving over three hours to come into the middle of nowhere. Seen people come from other states because the spirit started moving and shifting and pulling, and eventually they moved in. And I'm thinking tonight about the droves of people I see coming in the spirit. I'm seeing right now some of you are starting to see it because I see you tapping into it and tuning in. God is showing you the vision that he's got for this church. And I feel like what we've got to do is we've got to stop just trying to win the people in this city or in this community or in this parish. And we've got to realize they can come from Texas. They can come from Georgia. They can come from Tennessee. They can come from Alabama. They can come from California. God is not limited to how he can bring people into this church. Lost is lost. And if this church is a powerhouse like we really believe we are, we ought to stop just shaking Harrisonburg and start shaking Louisiana and start shaking Texas. I'm telling you, they're going to come from all four directions. What I see in the spirit, it's the weirdest deal. I've heard the saying all my life, never thought I'd see it. But in the spirit, I see that straw falling on that camel's back. And it breaking, the dam breaking open. That is where we're at in time. Everything that's been going on in the last few months has been the Lord getting us ready. Who could wave your hand and say, I have felt a divine spirit shift in the last three months? <coughs> And it feels like heaven's just looking at this place. Focused. I'm telling you, in the spirit, we got to send out a signal that tells people, you get your luggage ready. You get the U-Haul ready. You start loading up your furniture. <clears throat> because they may come from two hours away. There might be people that just moved to this parish not even knowing why they moved here and then one of you go knock on their door the day they moved in. And all of a sudden they say, this is why I'm here. 
God's been calling me to Wallace Ridge Pentecostal Church. Can anybody see that in the Holy Ghost yet? I, I don't want to preach a vision that's too big for you to believe tonight, but the fact of the matter is I think you really believe it. And if you really believe it, and we really go to work for it, it's really going to happen. What the Lord dealt with me about a little bit ago is I need to talk to the young people for just a moment. Young boys, young girls. I see young, young people filling up this side, filling up that side. The day will come that these sections won't hold the youth group. Not one section. Both sections. And that's just what I can see now. That's not a limitation on what's going to happen. That's just what I see. That's what the Lord's showing us. Here a little and there a little. But what I feel like God's telling me to tell some young people is you've got to make a decision. Do you want to get caught up with the cares of this life and the cares of your buddies? Or do you want to get caught up in revival? I remember when I went to quit football. Man, it felt like when I showed up to that church, that fella in the pulpit hit football every single service. And I knew there wasn't nobody else in the room playing it. And he knew he didn't even know I was playing it. He told me later, when I went to him and told him I quit, he said, son, I didn't even know you were playing football. And I thought, well, you sure beat the dog snot out of me every service. <laughs> he wore me out. I remember another boy. He come in, he's the only person in the building doing rodeos. And he got the snot beat out of him. And, and my pastor didn't have a clue. God was trying to tell him, that's your deal. That's the thing keeping you from getting all the way in. That's your hang-up. And that hang-up took that boy right out of the church. But my hang-up, I remember going to a conference in Oklahoma, and the Lord spoke to me and said, give it up. That preacher at that conference of thousands upon thousands of young people Nine hours from home. Guess what he preached about? Of all those young people, he beat me to death. He said, son, God didn't give you your athletic ability for you to run up and down a football field. He gave you your athletic ability so that you could be a worshiper. He gave you your athletic ability so that you could be the first one to run around the building, the first one to dance, the first one to clap your hands. I don't know what everybody in this church is doing, but I'm telling a young man, I'm telling a young lady, God didn't give you 
your ability so that you can sow your strength on a ball field or a basketball court. He gave you your ability so you can pray people through the Holy Ghost and use your strength in childbearing when it's time to bear the baby in the spirit. I'm telling you, I remember what it was like, brother, to be down on that football field playing and have stammering lips come on me. When I was backslidden, not when I'd come and prayed back through. When I was backslidden, I remember the presence of the Lord coming down on that practice field and stammering lips coming, tears running down my face. And the coach coming up and said, how'd you forget that play? You as dumb as a box of rocks. Why don't you go handle a rattlesnake? That's their words. They really love you down there. He said, why don't you go find two rattlesnakes and play with them? I thought that'd be brilliant. I'd probably put one on each of your ears. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord would come visit. I got into the church, went to that conference. That, that pastor, he was from Kentucky that was preaching that night. He was being recruited. He was one of the number one recruits in the nation for basketball. Six foot three, six foot four shooting guard. And he got into the church and God started dealing with him about giving up basketball. And he knew, I got a call on my life. Either I'm stepping into my calling or I'm going to go after my basketball career. But it won't be both. The night he quit, as they tell the story, his team was down by two points. He was one of the greatest three-point shooters in the nation. They had scouts from many different teams sitting in the stands. Clock was winding down. He picked up the ball, going to shoot the three-point shot. The crowd's getting ready to go wild, and the voice of the Lord spoke to him. And he landed back on his feet and he put the ball down and he walked out of the building. That's a pretty hard thing to do. But God was calling him more, more, more. I remember in my seventh period class, I told God, the exact date I would quit. The problem was the Friday night before that date, I made the front page of the newspaper. No quitting now. And I remember laying in that seventh period class because I didn't study because I didn't have to because I was too good at football. I could make my way through class, just do what I wanted to do. I'm asleep. And when I woke up when the bell rang and I was getting ready to go back to practice, I heard the voice of the Lord say, you promised. And I got so sick. I could have went and puked, but it wouldn't have done any good. I went as quick as I could to my vehicle. I got in the vehicle. 
I didn't go get my cleats. I didn't go get my jersey. I knew if I stepped back into that field house, they're going to get me. If I step back in there, I'm not strong enough spiritually to resist it. I'm going to give up on what I promised God. They're going to peer pressure me into it. 30 minutes or so goes by and my phone starts ringing and I had to just hit the red button and then block the number because I knew if I answer this phone, they're going to get me back. And I've made a decision. I remember trying to get them to come to my graduation. They didn't want nothing to do with me. He told me he's in the Mississippi Football Hall of Fame, my coach is. And he looked at me. He looked at me in the eye. He said, of all the years I've been coaching football, you're the biggest waste of God-given talent I've ever seen. But he said it right. God-given. God. I want somebody to hear me tonight. God-given talent. And God didn't give it for them to use it. God gave it not for me to use all of my energies running up and down a football field. I know what it's like as a young person to be in a dead, dry service and hear the voice of the Lord say, run. And it's like that line opened up on that football field. And you take off running and the church service comes loose. I remember when I was diagnosed with cancer and they let me leave the hospital for a few days to try to get a miracle. I remember on that Sunday when they started singing, the voice of the Lord spoke to me and it said, now, 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 take it off running around that building about two laps. That's a big old building too, especially when you got two months to live. Coming back to the front and dancing across that sanctuary. What I'm trying to tell somebody is God didn't give you your abilities and your talents and your anointing for you to go wasted in the cares of this life. God has brought you into this church. I'm preaching to somebody. It's time for you to get involved in the deep things of God. It's time for you to get involved in aisle running and dancing, rolling in the floor, laughing in the spirit, praying people through the Holy Ghost. I had to throw out my cutoff shirts. I had to throw out my shorts. Didn't nobody tell me to do it. I had to throw it all out. But it just felt a little easier to run the aisles without that weight. I've preached in churches with bigger crowds than our football stadium had. I've had revivals with more people pray through than that football stadium had. And you mean to tell me you're going to give up on stepping all the way into what God has for you. I may have not even made it to the levels I was trying to get to. I may have tore my legs up, tore my neck up, broke my neck. And you want to waste your life doing things that don't matter 
when God has a destiny for you and a destiny for this church. This is what I saw in the spirit, Pastor Stevenson. I see some people, it's like they're being held in the balance of their own decision. And I see ministry written on some people in this room. And you got to decide, do you want to shoot a basketball? Do you want to shoot, do you want to throw a baseball, a softball, a, a football? Do you want to hit a tennis ball? Do you want to kick a soccer ball? Or do you want to preach the word of God and go have revival and pray through hundreds upon thousands of people? There are bigger things than what you're hung up on. Brother Fuquay, I remember my football coach telling me, he said, son, let me just tell you, when I was younger, Pentecostals didn't even play sports. He said, I'm not sure what changed. He said, but it's amazed me that you held on this long. Now, he wasn't in the church. I don't even know if he went to the Baptist church. But he knew. When you really mean business, there's some things you just give up. My Lord, I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost. You got to understand, some of what I'm preaching to you doesn't necessarily mean I think that thing's sin. But if it's holding you back from going all the way with God, it is sin. Anything that keeps you from selling out is an idol. My Lord, somebody help me tonight. I feel like this church really wants what God has promised you. Go ahead, young man. Show us how to run tonight. Go ahead, young man. Come on, boys. We're going to have revival. We're going to have a harvest. We're going to see a breakthrough. We're going to see God work. I remember I remember when they said you can just play football Tim Tebow plays football you could be just like Tim Tebow I thought to myself today going through my yard praying I want to be like Jesus I want to be like Jesus I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I want to move like him. I want to pray like him. I want to preach like him. I want to lead my family the way he would lead it. And this is what I saw. And the people I'm talking to, I could, I could come to you. But I feel an apprehension in my spirit that not to do it like that right now. But I'm telling you, some young girls and some young men in this building, you've got to drive your stakes down into the Word of God. And when you get those stakes into the Word of God and those things start pulling on you, It'll only be pulling on a made-up mind. 
And what I see is there's some of you, if you don't drive your stakes down, the thing that you perceive as innocent fun is going to pull you out of the church because it's keeping you in the wrong atmosphere. It's got you in the wrong atmosphere. Do they play apostolic music there? Are they interested in the apostolic message there? Or, young lady, would you rather, in your gut, do you feel stupid when you put on your dress in front of them? Young man, do you feel stupid when you try to stand for it? Then get out of there. They're going to desensitize you to the point that you lose all your conviction. But if you'll make a decision while you're young, it'll set you up to be able to handle the decisions that you make when you get older. Young lady, don't bow to their pressure to dress like that. You get around the wrong people and things that used to cover stop covering. Things get shorter, things change. And you got to ask yourself, What's the difference here? Because when I'm at church, I want to cover up. And when I'm here, I want to uncover. It ought to reveal to you what spirit's working on you. I make my decisions in safe atmospheres. <clears throat> Not atmospheres that want to take advantage of me and ruin my life. I feel like we need to pray right here tonight. There's things I see that I don't, I don't need to get that detailed here tonight. But I see a young lady that this world's working on you so bad that when you come to church, you keep tugging on your skirt trying to get it below your knees. I'm not talking about I see you physically like I picked you out in the crowd. You got to ask yourself, what made me do that? I'm going to get victory over that. I'm not going to play the edge. I'm not going to play the, the very limits of it all. I want to look like godly men and women look. I want to walk like godly men and women walk. I want to talk like godly men and women talk. I want every young person here tonight to gather around the front in this altar. Come on, young people, hurry. I want young men on, on my left by Brother Stevenson, young ladies on this right by Sister Stevenson. Hurry. I, I just feel in the spirit like there's somebody, you're just hanging in the balance of some decisions. And I'm telling you, you can choose right. You can choose right. Hmm. Itama Sakamaya. Tayatoko ma sita bayata.
Come on, let that just move through the way it wants to right now. I don't want you to think Brother Frederick's mean or he's legalistic or he's trying to beat up on people. That's not my goal. I love people. I love young people. I love the saints of God. And I'm trying to tell somebody tonight that your destiny has got too much hanging on it for you to sell out to things that won't last anyway. Last thing I'm going to say, does this church have a church school, Brother Stevenson? Not yet. Because in the spirit, I saw a church school opening up. I'm telling you, I really believe with all of my heart that something's about to hit this church and you're either going to have to build a building or move into that gym, most likely move into that gym. And it could be very possible that this building becomes a school. Let me tell you, parents. Come on, young ladies. Come close. Come on, young men. Church. When you say, why are we going to do a church school? Let me tell you, you hadn't seen trouble till you started church school. But when you see the worth of it all. Had I not had my home church to run to them and run to their church school my senior year after I quit football. They were making fun of me going up and down the halls. They were cussing me and calling me names. I remember quitting the public school and paying my way through the church school waiting tables. Had I not been able to change that atmosphere, I don't think I would have made it. Why are we going to start a church school? Look at them. Wouldn't it be something for instead of them to fill a pool of the world, them have a chapel service once a day or once a week and be able to come by the church 15 or 20 minutes before school starts and have a prayer meeting. And when they walk into school, they're not listening to worldly music, but there's apostolic music in their ears. They're learning Pentecostal doctrine and the oneness of God and holiness. And I tell you what happened because it's happening all across America. There'll be people that start trying to send their kids out of the worldly school into the church school, and they'll come in and get the Holy Ghost in chapel, and then you'll get a whole family. Is it expensive? Is it trouble? It is, it is, it is. But their soul matters. Talking about people driving all the way for church. My cousin, the church they're at doesn't have a church schooling. He's bringing his little girl 45 minutes, 50 minutes every morning just to go to the school. Just to go to the school. They'll come, I'm just telling you. Whew. How many young people's in this youth group, Brother Fuquay? What about kids all together in this church, you think? The, the number that was coming to my mind was 80. You could have an 80-member church school 
at the drop of a hat. I don't know nothing about the money situation of this church, but there's about to be a wave of liberal and sacrificial giving hit this church because you see a vision that you got to get ready for. And the money we've already got, if you've got any, we got to use to get this next building ready. And we're going to open up a flow to get that next building ready and then get this school ready. I'm telling you, if we really get on our toes by this time next year, they could have a school. Anybody believe that tonight? I want you, number one, to not be embarrassed when I ask you to do this. But you young ladies, you young men, that you feel the world pulling on you. I want you to take a step forward. It don't have to be a big one. Take a small step forward. If you feel the world pulling on you, take a step forward. Now in that step, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to make a decision. It's not going to get me. It's not going to pull me out of the church. It's not going to keep me from receiving what my pastor would preach to me and teach to me and tell me in one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions for the rest of my life. It's not going to steal from me the marriage God wants to give me, the ministry that God wants to give me, the business that God wants to give me. It's not going to keep me from being a pillar in this church. Come on. Come on, right now. Right now, Lord. Woo. Woo. Come on. Come on. Come on. I, I just feel there's such a strong witness in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You got too much gifting, baby. You're too gifted. Don't let it get you. Come on. Come on right now. Mm. Mm. Come on. Go ahead, young people. Something's breaking. Come on, young men. Come on, young ladies. There's something breaking. Something's breaking in the atmosphere for the next generation of this church. Come on. Come on, young ladies. Come on. Some of you young ladies need to really tap in right now. You got to make a decision. Now I'm asking this church to gather into this altar right now. I want you to get your mind ready. Get your eyes ready. Get your consecration ready. What I felt in the spirit is what they said in Joshua. We hadn't passed this way before. We're going away we hadn't been before. We got to make some special decisions. God is calling us to a deeper level. He's trying to bring us to the place that we can have real revival and really step out into the deep water. Come on, young men.